0: I do believe we are all the way live. Welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov at Lev Po on Twitter. And we are here once again with the wonderful Curtis Yarvin and the wonderful counterpoints we're going to be talking about. Since this is a very fateful uh, day today, we are going to be talking about something related in a way to what was, uh, by some accounts, experienced during that day, which is, would it be better for the United States to go full Julius Caesar, rather Augustus Caesar, you know, since things kind of calmed down around his time, in order for a lot of this uh, action between the two tribes to finally be settled down. Because I do think a lot of people in general are just kind of sick and tired of all of it. But at the same time, there are a lot of uh, reservations, qualified or unqualified alike, about what would happen if there would be some kind of a total control that would be assumed by a, um, a power on the United States. So uh, let's start with uh, Curtis Yarvin. I think you all know uh, who Curtis uh, Yarvin is. What would be your thoughts on this particular day And how would you make the case for, if not a dictatorship, then a CEO or some kind of a position that's going to be able to wield a lot more authority, as well as any thoughts on what's going on in the Senate right now. So uh, take it away and make sure everybody to subscribe, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, and sneed those super chats. We're going to be reading the super chats at the end. Go ahead, Curtis.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, before I begin, uh, you know, hello, CounterPoints, I thought you were... um Trans is that co- is contra points? Is that the same? That's contra points, yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 you honest mistake, lot. honest mistake, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, all, all right, totally, totally different person. I was like, wow, that's really, uh... yeah, I mean, the, the transition <laughs> is going to mean well, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not really working out for you, you know. But, uh... <laughs> we all have our you know our good our good yeah. our good days and our bad days but um. yeah. i i would need a whole lot more estrogen <laughs> to pull off her look. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry um um yeah um so first of all you know the case for having an organization run by a single ceo as the most efficient way to run any organization of any scale sort of that being the technical like sort of the formal the cleanest definition of monarchy which people often confuse with both the like pageantry of a ceremonial monarch like Charles III or with hereditary monarchs who are often real you know the the only thing that monarchy means is the rule of one and it basically means that any group enterprise is most effectively managed by a single manager And, you know, this principle is so uncontroversial in both throughout human history in which far over 90% of, of regimes are monarchies and in the private sector where essentially all efficient operations are once again monarchies. I mean, if you drive a car, it was made by a monarchy. If you, you know, go to a restaurant, the chef is a monarch, you watch a movie, the director is an auteur, you again and again see this principle of having one or at most two or three founders in a box, like, you know, you'll see the the sort of two in a box pattern from like, you know, Y Combinator startups to like the consoles of the Roman Republic, that pattern works well, but it's still essentially a monarchy. As soon as you get like three co-founders, it's kind of a problem do don't even try it and and so that sort of principle of effective organizational structure is more or less universal and you can see you know if you try to imagine for example the department of transportation instead of tesla building electric cars you can see how much more effective that principle is simply as a way of managing things and so for me when you're talking about Any large organizational structure, which a government certainly is, you basically want to default to like the sort of the normal sane thing and then ask, okay, if the normal sane thing is simply a monarchy, then how did we get this sort of strange structure that we inherited from the past? What is this thing we call Washington? It's clearly not a monarchy. What is it? How did it get there? Very basic, simple questions.
0: Counterpoints, do you have any thing you agree or disagree with on that statement before we go further? Yeah, and we can get into the nitty gritty because I want to
2: avoid probably all the arguments you're used to, which are like, well, what? You want some guy in a goofy hat to run everything like, you know, I'll try to avoid all that kind of stuff. Um, But at the same time, what what I would say is effective towards what end. Um, so, So this is something that I've thought about a lot. Because if you look at, um, you know, Germany during the, you know, uh, Nazi era. If you look at uh, Japan during the imperial uh, era during World War II, these were very effective societies uh like they nationalized industry they created like a whole bunch of new technologies i think that um you know japan went from samurai warriors in the 1840s and the 1850s to flying some of the best warplanes on the planet in 1940 so you're talking about them basically jumping from the medieval era in 80 years you can't argue with the efficiency of um you know the the imperial japan but then that efficiency was directed towards a nefarious end, which was basically the, the regional conquest of their neighbors, their, their localized imperialism, the ethnic slaughter of people they viewed as inferior to them. You know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, the, the, the basically the Japanese version of Lebensraum, where they just wanted to clear out the Koreans and the Chinese so they could impose their will on everybody. And I think that's like the reflexive distaste for consolidated power. And um, this is something that our founding fathers in the United States represent or recognize as a part of republicanism, um, which is the fact that um, it's not the most efficient to have a republic, but it is one of the more stable systems, because rather than having like total power vested in one character who then suppresses all the other powers and then when that person is deposed or dies or passes on power, there's a huge vacuum and everybody squabbles and kills the crap out of each other. Um, instead, you have all of these vying power structures that exist under the Supreme Authority fighting all of the time. So I know it's culturally exhausting to be involved in the American zeitgeist because we're in perpetual cultural conflict, but I still think that any cultural respite that you had because of the authority of a single person would be a temporary illusion where all the conflicts would rear their ugly heads as soon as that person died or moved on from the position. Um, And I'll shut up in a second, but the perfect example being uh, Tito out of uh, the former Yugoslavia. So a lot of people view him as like a benevolent dictator. He, you know, he told the Soviet Union in order to go pound sand. Um, He actually instituted market socialism. Uh, He did imprison a bunch of people who spoke out against him and all that kind of stuff. But on the scale of things compared to Stalin or Hitler or other people, he was actually relatively benevolent. Um, But then what happened when he died? As soon as he died the former yugoslavia because it wasn't used to being having any kind of distributed power structure it fell apart along ethnic lines and then they killed the crap out of each other um so that that's kind of the uh i don't argue with your primary thesis i just wonder if it's the only thing that's important
1: so when, when i when i sort of look at your historical examples i can't help but observe that they're all basically taken from the last hundred years and so they're all taken sort of from within this very special period and i like my understanding of of this historical period is somewhat different from yours and i don't know that i want to go down completely down that rabbit hole i would say that in general the sort of when you sort of reel off these historical stories they're sort of like told about an elephant and a rhino having a fight in the room, except that there's no elephant in the room, only the rhino. And so, in a sense, your history of the 20th century sort of excludes the structure of which you are part, in a sense, and does not process it as a normal historical actor. For example, when it looks at the conflict between anglo-american power and the japanese system in the 1930s it sort of imagines the world as if japan and china were like in manchuria were like somehow the only countries in it you know in fact world war ii is triggered by a u.s you know most directly by a u.s uh, you know embargo on oil and steel against japan a country that has no oil and so the the it's, it's But more to the point, when we basically look at that period, what we're seeing is we're seeing, when we look at sort of these mid-century dictatorships and take them as an example of a political form that has existed for 5,000 years and we over the sample the heck out of the last 50 years, we're, we we're oversampling the sort of very, very recent period in which these dictators actually have sort of a single overarching task, which is to a established their own sovereignty against what is now called the international community. You can like that or not, you can say that they made many mistakes and they did many things wrong and et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to say the international community didn't do anything wrong, and especially (laughs) given its alliance with Stalin. Um, But the, you know, the sense of basically any regime which is a monarchical regime, really after the fall of Napoleon is fundamentally a rebel against a higher power. Even the Holy Alliance is, in a way, in rebellion against the dawning age of sort of Anglo-American hegemony, which would be Anglo in the 19th century and American in the 20th and beyond. And so, like, you're basically looking at losing states behaving badly in wartime, and nothing really occurs to you when you, you're you not thinking about Frederick the Great, you're not thinking about Louis XIV, and you're certainly not thinking about the Caesars. And and talking about the Caesars is sort of an excellent way to- Well, I was about counter, to say, we can talk counter, about them. <laughs> it's, it's an excellent way to, 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 to sort of counter kind of the last point you made, because what led to the rise of Caesar and many sort of proto-Caesars like him before his rise was the breakdown of the Roman Republic, and specifically its breakdown into what was called the conflict of the orders, which was essentially a kind of red state versus blue state kind of class war, social class war that, in under various names, been going on for about four hundred years. And as it turns out, Caesar is actually a member of the populares. He's actually he's a red state man, you would say. Um, and but you know he does something much there were sort of these proto-caesars sulla and marius um a generation earlier who were sort of the hitler and stalin of their time and when they took power they persecuted the other faction very vigorously and caesar although he was a red state man you know when he prevailed in the rig i mean the civil war he uh, (laughs) um became the he had this sort of um his way of going about ruling was that he was not as as my friend Mike Anton would say red Caesar or blue Caesar he was purple Caesar. He basically contained within him sort of the unity of both of these competing classes and it turned out that when you eliminated this you know the political system which required both of these sides to participate in this ridiculous drama in which it believed to be defending itself from the other side, and in many cases was in fact defending itself from the other side, both sides as usual in a conflict being animated by feelings of self-defense. It turned out that when you eliminated this, the whole um, culture war in Rome simply went away. And actually there's no trace of the conflict with the orders after the beginning of the imperial period, now the imperial period never yeah, really. I was about calls, to say, what did they do example, with that conflict? <laughs> for example, they created the Roman Empire, which did rather well for a number of years. When you read like Gibbon, you know, writing in the late 18th century, you're not going to convince me that either of us is more cultured or has a bigger view of history than Gibbon. Gibbon certainly considers the the five the period of the five good emperors from Hadrian to Marcus Aurelius the best government. That humanity has ever had. You know, David Hume, you know, agrees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you were to show any of those people the last 250 years of what is sort of the like non-ending stream of civil wars and revolutions wrought by you know anti-monarchical ideologies, and we add up all the body count of basically regicide regimes. You're getting you're getting a pretty substantial body count there, and the like the sense that you know we have solved a problem that the Caesars did not solve. I just I see the Caesars solving problems that we haven't solved, and you know that's why it seems essentially obvious to me. Moreover, one of the things that if you look at just American history, you know we have had a Caesar within the lives of those now living because. FDR came very, very close to being the CEO of the American government. When people today think about FDR, you know, college professors, New Yorker readers, good people, they don't think, oh my God, this was the American Hitler. And yet, you know, FDR had 50 times as much control of Washington as Biden does. He could create and destroy agencies, he could set policy. He was, you know, sometimes he had to phone up Congress to get them to rubber stamp something. He was pretty much the CEO of Washington, and you know that did not seem to result in any uh, death camps or uh, you know I guess we well did tournament try camps. Try to take over the world. Well, and we did try to take over the world, but the thing is, we succeeded. So, so you know, nobody blames us for it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, it was, I was about to say, all... I, It seems like there's like historical counterexamples
2: in your examples, and so and so for instance, like the the thing that I think republicanism is supposed to do that it, you know it, it it's okay. At I'm not saying it's great. Um, but but I don't think any of this stuff is great. So so for instance, like what, what you kind of said is that when the Caesars took over and they united the populace, uh, you know, uh, b- both uh, you know the the elites and the and the working class into a, you know, they, they said, oh well, I have to guard the interests of both because I'm responsible for both. Um, and also if I piss off, you know, one side too much, uh, which you said like, oh, well, they erased the conflict. I don't think they erased the conflict. They just, they were responsible for whether or not that conflict got so out of hand that they would be the person blamed for the problems and their heads would end up on pikes. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Let me, yeah, let me, let me explain
1: power. what mm-hmm. I mean by erase the conflict a little bit more, because I think this is a crucial point. I think that, that fundamentally we have a system which represents sort of a club that blue state people could use to bash red state people and vice versa. And, you know, when I grew up as a blue state person, I was, you know, acutely terrified of like Christians coming to my elementary school and like forcing us to do like Handmaid's Tale shit and like not believe in evolution or sex or whatever. And, you know, in retrospect, that was a very effective way of keeping me on the, on the reservation. And the like, this sense that here you have to collectively work to defend yourselves because here is this other party or this other tribe that, you know, is organizing and could smash you and, and vice versa. It, whereas what you're seeing that was essentially and by the way, by historical standards, I would say we have gone most of the way toward complete apathy, which is, for example, the attitude toward government that is prevalent mostly in China. Today. In China, people approve of the regime by like you know seventy to eighty percent margins. No reason to think that's not genuine, and they Why are absolutely no reason
2: to think not think that's genuine. Because like, I China is watched...
1: China, China yeah, is,
2: like, a... and, and by the way, like I want to be respectful. Like I respect yeah. your intellect, but I also want an opportunity to talk as well.
1: About, sure. And and yeah, so like like really, what the Caesars induced is an attitude of basically political apathy. I live in California; we have no two party system here. Political apathy. You know, whoever wants to be governor, that's like whoever who gets to be on TV. I've watched politics die in California over my lifetime. And and yeah,
2: that's also- <laughs> yeah. I I I got. I need an opportunity to rebut some of this stuff. Please. So 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 don't listen. Mean. Yeah, so, so for instance, uh, j- just to try to walk through it chronologically, I might have to bust out a notepad eventually. Um, so the when, when it comes to the Caesars, I think I can agree with you that when you have great monarchs, you can have great times that's like one of the things that like liberals don't understand uh if they're if they're very hung up in liberalism and republicanism if they if they wrap up their ego they're like no every time you have a monarch everything is gone to shit no like marcus aurelius like oversaw the empire during one of the the greatest heights you know a lot of uh caesars and kings sponsored the arts a lot of them are responsible for great sets of architecture and uh, culture and all that kind of stuff that we look back on and we still like throw, tip our hats to the heydays of our cultures to back when uh, kings were in charge because they created these fundamentally awesome works of art and religious achievement. Um, so, so no, like I, I don't have this like hyper liberal attachment to uh, you know republicanism or individualism or whatever. As a matter of fact, I would say one of the the shortfalls. Um, of liberalism, individualism and republicanism is like it doesn't hold the collective sacred at all it kind of views it as profane so then we don't do anything collective that's of note unless you consider like the the Colosseum, which is football in our modern era, unless you consider that sacred um, it doesn't seem like we've achieved a lot so uh, you know I, I know there's probably some people who do hold it sacred I don't. Um, so I'm um, not kind, kind, a Raiders fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So tipping <laughs> tipping the hat to uh, the the monarchs and the central people who did good stuff. That's fine. Um, but kind of getting back to the efficiency example what's also true is when you have a bad monarch or a bad ruler or a bad oligarch then it goes bad really fast and so that that's kind of like the twist of it um, is basically when you have an incompetent executive they can do a lot of damage really quickly now you're like okay you can put that person's heads on spikes like all that kind of shit And like maybe on the comparison compared to modern you know uh, republics and the anti-regicidal wars the body count would be less and a you know revolution or civil war but that's not like the way history at least as i was taught it Um, went down there were shitloads of revolutions and kings and uh, people stabbing each other in the back and murdering the fuck out of each other and people getting like tied up uh you know their their families literally being tied up one of them being stabbed in the chest and the other person being thrown into the river with their dead family member's body attached to them like there's all
1: sorts of crazy shit like this in the past so i've seen games and this is all
2: no, it's not I Game of have- Thrones, it's The I, War I know, of I know. the Roses. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Which sure, Game of
1: sure, Thrones sure. is based off of? Sure, sure, sure. Can I can I can I answer that? I mean, I, sure. I, I feel like we're actually, you know, in danger of making this 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 stream boring through excessive agreement. So, I want to basically well, highlight Well, if people don't like, know the
2: War of the Roses, I don't care how I I, I agreed, moves, agreed they are, they I agreed
1: that. with I agreed <laughs> with 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 sort of almost everything said there and everything you said Uh sort of historically historically this is you know the problem of i would say when you say you want want a good monarch i would say that i want what i would call um an accountable monarch and what's neat about sort of the like western corporate forum that makes all this good stuff like computers and microphones and stuff is that it's kind of solved that problem because the way a company is run is typically not just a CEO, but a CEO with a board to which he or she is accountable. Now we also have many corporations such as Meta. I can't really call it that. Uh, you know which actually have disabled that mechanism and have, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a full and complete emperor due to his position of the magic shares. I, 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 would I was just, about to you know, say, and, sorry, really, I got to make
2: a quick joke about that. Um, and then he basically spent a because he was a solo and unaccountable monarch. He spent a billion dollars making a shittier version of Roblox and Minecraft.
1: So yeah, like monarchies can go pretty fast, pretty fast. Well, the thing is that that we have sort of strange, like, standards for comparing these things. Because I would say that if you look at, say, the Fortune 500 CEOs, okay, it's fairly easy to hire a Fortune 500 CEO. There's, you know, firms that will do it. And, you know, let's take the worst, you know, five CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And we will assign them to be CEO, chief, monarch, whatever... Of the five worst countries in Africa. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how these motherfuckers do. And you know. My guess is that. You know. Each of those African countries. Would experience a radical improvement. In quality of government. Probably fairly similar. To the improvement brought by Paul Kagame. In Rwanda. Who uh, you know. I don't know if Kagame. Would make a great fortune 500 CEO. But he seems to have about certainly be in that sort of skill pool so we basically see that like you know you can basically take this principle of monarchy with an effective monarch which we agree on and apply this to the shittiest shithole in the world whose like you know existence is like makes game of thrones look like bambi and (laughs) the the and and yet kigali i would walk around kigali at night in ways i would not walk around brooklyn at night Right and and it's clean
0: also, which is insane. And the what country and, is this, and, by the way? What Rwanda. And, uh, and Lord just, Lord I, Miles said a similar thing about Afghanistan when he was there that he found mm-hmm. it way safer than uh, London. Oh, yeah, hold the, on, was most, that um? Most...
2: Is that uh? I I hate to reduce his public profile to this, but is that like Sargon of Akkad's uh, friend No, it's like Lord travel Miles. shit?
1: Lord Miles is a great great man, very young man, very promising. Uh, he, okay. uh, he he was the guy he was the, the student he's not really a lord apparently but uh, he was the he should be a lord and a uh, btr you
0: know. <laughs> guest as well uh, was, uh, has he been a guest here He has he's several won. times yes
1: yeah yeah i'm uh you know you can you can put me on with miles next time i'd love to talk to lord miles yeah. but, uh, if, you, if you
0: guys want lord he, miles and curtis yarva in the same stream subscribe right now and also join the patreon patreon.com slash break the rules anyway go on curtis yeah. In any case, that, in any case,
1: <laughs> in any case, when we compare Afghanistan under civil society to Taliban-led Afghanistan, we see just obvious hmm. improvements in quality of government governance in sort of many ways in many places. The like, and we're just like, wait. You also see a lot of silly problem, shit too, right? Like, yeah, It's like yeah. true. It's true. It's true. But you know, basically, like, you know, like, like, like the, 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 the liberal, the liberal
2: sensibilities. Okay, by the way, like I'm not like a screeching progressive. Okay, like I, I kind of mm-hmm. identify as like center right, so I, I try not to. I try not to poop my pants whenever you know there's like a a little bit of a civil rights violation, you know. Um, but like at the same time, like you know, you're you're saying so. For instance, yeah, I can concede logically that there's probably a lot less heroin in downtown Kabul now than there was during American
1: Democratic whatever rule,
2: right? Like the Taliban problem. I like don't when you say American shit.
1: Democratic whatever. That's good. That's indicates like. You have a sense of like that this is an empire that has like conquered the world, right? Like, it, well, yeah, I, by the I way, I should actually, I,
0: I should actually mention uh, because uh, you may not know this, Curtis, but Counterpoints is a uh, veteran and, uh, uh I did not and, and know this. It,
2: you know, yeah. um, you know that like bell curve, uh, meme where it's like, you know, America is an evil empire, and then, wait, wait, hold on, it would be like, um, America is an evil empire, and then in the middle, it would be like, America is an evil empire, and that's bad, and then the final bell curve, where you're like a giga brain, like 3000 IQ, would be like, America is an evil empire, and that's good. That's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of where I landed. So, descriptively, like we're probably not going to uh, disagree much. But where we could disagree is whether or not there's like a march towards liberal progress, or whether or not like the conflicts of the modern day are worth individual civil rights or women being able to vote tell you, or I'll go tell to you, school I'll, or that kind of shit.
1: Can I tell you two funny Afghanistan-related stories? Only Please one do. of them is actually mine. Let me tell you mine first. Uh, do you remember General McChrystal? uh well you'd have to remind me of what
2: he did specifically but he I, was the one he, like, that got he was the he guy was, who said that it was all under control <laughs> he the was way. the guy
1: who got fired by rolling stone and because he was uh, banging the pretty hot uh, no that recorder. was Petraeus. he was being yeah whatever, ah, whatever. You know, okay was, they're all was, the same was, guy there were involved. <laughs> he, you know he was a special forces guy and uh, uh you know i was definitely uh you know my my political perspectives were still somewhat developing but uh you know of course having these uh Amazing events, uh, you know, I, I, I followed them as, a, as an armchair warrior, and I was very interested in this war and why it just wasn't working. And one day this was in 2014, 2015, something like that. General McChrystal had written a book and went on a speaking tour and came by a certain venture capital fund to speak. And I got myself put in the audience Because I thought I'd uh, stump him with my uh, acumen in, um, um, uh, you know, uh, discourse regarding U.S. foreign policy. And so he gives his obviously extremely canned speech, which I don't remember at all. And I raise my hand and I get called on and I say, General McChrystal, as you know, Western involvement in this part of the world is not a new thing. It's been going on you know, for many centuries in a way. How do you think someone in a responsible position from a previous generation, for example, a district superintendent from the Indian Raj would assess our performance here in Afghanistan? And I expected him to be like, whoa, he didn't even miss a beat. He's like, he barely paused. He's like, he was just like, I think they think we did a pretty poor job. (laughs) (laughs) no further questions and he said a pretty poor job like yeah 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 you know he actually had clearly thought about that question and just like nailed it right and i was just like damn you know we still do have the best and the fucking brightest after all like you know it was actually kind of a beautiful moment you know but of course you know he That's couldn't not gonna do make the news, or yeah, he the, the, didn't uh, do any of the things that the district superintendent would have told him to do. So, mm-hmm. for example, in Afghanistan, you know, let's see if you agree or disagree with this. As a as a soldier, were you a fobit, or did you were you at like? Uh, I people?
2: I was a I was a fobit. I did do uh-huh. uh, four years as a uh, pogue. I did deploy to Iraq, but I'm also like a history politics nerd, so I've been studying this stuff oh, probably got it, got it, got almost it. as aggressively
1: as you have. Um, and Got then, it. So, so, so well, I was going to say too, yeah. I did four Please. years in law enforcement and I did some relatively hardcore stuff there. Awesome. 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 So, so when you look at uh, essentially how the British Empire in India was run, it was created by this uh, motherfucker named Clive who discovered this amazing thing, which is that in the 18th century, you could create these amazing military units with Western officers and native troops. And And, you know, the principle of imperialism, it's from the word imperium, meaning command, is that basically the natives are commanded by foreigners. Okay, now my father was in the U.S. State Department. You know, we do not have an empire in this sense. That is not how an empire works. We do not command. We advise. Fun. totally and and, <laughs> and 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 the fact that we advise is is actually critical because with the advisory role for example in a state like like afghanistan which you know uh you know even a three-year-old would say it was a puppet state it is a puppet state but it's not a puppet state in like the old like warsaw Pact sense because the puppet state in the warsaw Pact sense were much better it took orders these motherfuckers did not take any orders <laughs> at all. Right. Instead, so you had basically this bizarre, you know, spectacle that any imperialist would have found utterly ridiculous of like, Spooky theater. you theater. Know, your classic stereotype of your like Afghan, like special forces unit. And the special is just the quality of the hashish they smoke. And they're all like standing around, you know, doing shit. And they have some. Poor American who could like probably kill them all with his little finger in fifteen minutes, and he's just standing around holding his deck and telling them, you know, I wish you didn't smoke so much hash in the morning, you know. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, you know, if they were actually under American command, you know, the American could have had them horsewhipped, and you know, which is exactly what a British commanding officer would have done. And so, this is replicated across the whole structure of the puppet state on both military and civilian sides. The U.S. Embassy is not in any more any more in command of, you know, Afghan economic policy than you know the U.S. military can order Afghan troops what to do, and so what you have is this thing that's actually this you know this vacuum of of authority, worst of both worlds, vacuum of authority, and when the Taliban come in. At least, as a government, at least somebody is in charge. At least, you know, thieves can have. Which is why them. it fell in eleven days. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And you know, the the. um So yeah, I I I like basically. I think that if an understanding of that does not reflect on our Western understanding of politics, I think there's something wrong there. Here's another well, can story. I, can which, I give you okay, – I'll please. listen
2: to the second story, but I do want to give you a counter. like a, a, yeah. Okay, yeah. So keep a story in your mind because I am curious. Um, but the modern historical counterexample is Ukraine. Um, so for instance, uh, this is where, yeah, we're dumping billions of dollars. I'm sure there's plenty of Ukrainian higher-ups who are getting boob jobs with that money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, at the, the same men. time.
1: I think their wives are getting the boob jobs, but yeah, <laughs> I, I could be I wrong. Meant, things, in, things in the Ukraine could have advanced farther than I thought. You know, I'm yeah. I'm picturing like Nazis with the, you know, yeah, with uh, the yeah, right. glo- lobo homo, dogs. which yeah, yeah, I say yeah, yeah,
2: positively yeah. for uh, the gay folk and audience. Yeah, exactly. um, so <laughs> the, but you no, know, the um, so so for instance, in Ukraine. Um, I know that a billion dollars is a lot of money to us, but if you look at the American you know, general revenue, a few trillion dollars, this is relatively a, a, a small invest investment in degrading uh, the power of a rival state. This is a relatively small investment compared to what we normally know okay,
1: especially yeah. compared
2: to uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm glad
1: you, what I was I'm glad say... you I'm glad you I'm glad you mm-hmm. put it that way uh, because that, that, that tone is increasingly heard in Washington. As the, um, the 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 pretext that the purpose of the Ukraine war is actually to benefit the Ukrainians uh, has, uh, who cares has, about humanitarianism? Has, what exactly? Exactly, <laughs> and so you know, humanitarianism always reveals this like unbelievably cold reptilian inside which is basically ready to devastate a country and kill hundreds of thousands of people for the right. result of being controlled by one gang of track suited thieves instead of another one actually the western thieves were you know coats and ties you know the only the only the real Slavs were the track suit but but the yeah um, weren't uh you know hold
2: on, re- quick meme uh wasn't it kind of sad to see um everybody upset that uh Zelensky showed up to like the White House or whatever like wearing uh his army fatigues and I was like I I'm, I'm not I'm more upset that he's not in like an Adidas
1: black and white track suit <laughs> like, like I'm Dude, more there's upset great there's there's so many submit. great <laughs> Zelensky was actually um elected on a peace platform he was actually elected to implement the Minsk accords which he did not do and uh, there are many great tapes of him like basically laughing at these ukrainian nationalists who just want to like you know eat russians alive or something uh you know he's a he's an excellent like i really love the idea of electing a comedian it seems to me to short circuit a lot of things it's what we did when when we elected trump the uh he's jewish which is always a plus in my book and the and he also doesn't speak ukrainian which is great and i think he's learning uh you know ukrainian is basically this like peasant language it's like basically as if you made like Texan, like the state language of Texas, and came up with this Texan orthography and like Texas Wikipedia, and which which always said y'all. Okay, well, uh, like did, you keep did,
2: saying these things like they're bad. I'm not, yeah, you know,
1: you know, did you hear, did you hear actually the story about Scott's, about Scott's Wikipedia that it turned out that, you know, half of it was written by this teenager who didn't even know Scott's and was just like <laughs> sort of making it up the way you'd write like a bonix and, you know, imagine like a bonix Wikipedia, right? EB.wikipedia.org. Uh, you know, nice. you can probably again you you keep saying cool things like they're bad but (laughs) but, but, but yeah i mean you know i too i too have been impressed by the cool like kinetic war videos coming out of out of the ukraine honestly though i think the syrian war ones were often better like just in terms of like war porn why why do you you call it the ukraine by the way and not ukraine um uh, i call it the ukraine because i spent the first 30 years of my life calling it the ukraine and i see um No reason to uh, change the way I spell. I also say Bombay instead of Mumbai, uh, like everyone else Uh, in Bombay. And 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 (laughs) and and I refuse to change the way I say a place in the world because it suits the diplomatic goals of the Washington Post. Did you ever did you you ever heard of a country called Serbia? I found out an interesting fact about Serbia, which I had no idea of, which is that before World War One. In Western publications, and you can see this if you look at anagrams.google.com. The name Serbia is not used; it is spelled Servia. And when plucky little Serbia became our ally in the Great War, it was felt that Servia was too servile, and the name had to be oh. changed. Mm. So, you know, I tend to regard, you know, this kind of shit with sort of great, great, great uh, suspicion, and I tend to regard. Anyone who's basically like, well, in order to do this good thing, we're going to, you know, kill 250,000 people and like devastate. It's very reptilian. OK, it's right. So the thing make, is, I, yeah. let's leave the reptilian stuff to the reptiles. I mean, I sort of, you know, we got here, we were talking about this reptilian foreign policy of these like dictators oh. or whatever. And then we're just like, wait. You know, just well, apparently there's some reptiles, you know, so, you know, so at, at as the well. chance
2: at, at the chance of uh, fording the reptile agenda. OK, my um, the, the scales have been lifted from my eyes as far as the the skepticism of the American empire. OK, so I, I, I get it. It's a sixty five trillion dollar commercial empire. We use the guise of humanitarianism in order to kill people. But like you know, it's,
1: much, it's much worse than you say, sir. Well,
2: probably, but the, but well, and we, we could get into the much worse. Maybe you could convince me that it's an irredeemable construct. Um, but the, the point is that there's some things here that I think, um, do require some level of like reverence and respect. So for instance, if we were at the peak of the Roman empire, uh, immediately after, I don't know, the Caesars had taken control or shortly before, but after they had taken Egypt and they had grain and they were taking over the Northern territories and all that kind of stuff, you can point out and say, the Republic has fallen. We're, you know, we're under a bunch of dictators. The dictators are, are kleptomaniac, nepotistic bastards who start civil wars every 30 years. Um, the only way they're able to keep the peace is by launching world wars against the Germans, blah, blah, blah. And you can have all the criticisms of the, the uh, Rome at its peak, but you also have to concede, excuse me, that. Um, it's also feeding a few million people and creating some of the most impressive technological and cultural works of that time. So that's the way that I view the American empire, where you can concede all of its nefariousness and you can concede the uh, humanitarianism being the cloak through which they commit, you know, murder and lies and diplomacy and these little rhetorical games that disgust you. Um, But then you also have to concede that there's like, material, I don't want to say good, because that's a loaded word, but material benefit that is derived even from plebeians such as yourself and I, who have plastics and cheap access to oil and technology and computers and microchips and books and the internet and all that kind of crap, where we are the beneficiaries of empire.
1: So two two things on that. One is that I think when people who... It's so hard to go like even as someone who's been red pill, you know, for 15 years, like I'm still picking sort of b- bits of like Noam Chomsky uh, out of out of out of my 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 tibia, you know, and <laughs> and it's like when you see someone who sort of has a lot like even your conception of American empire, I think owes a lot to that of thought. And I have a slightly different... Essentially, when you look at America's power and you say empire, you're talking about the small amount of what you might call hard power that exists in this world. And soft power is a much more important part of that. And it's essentially a revolutionary power. And it's a power both to create revolution and to preserve and protect revolution. In Latin America, for instance, that power really starts with the Monroe Doctrine. And the Monroe Doctrine is in fact, as many people know, a piece of British foreign policy where Britain was like, I'm gonna prevent the monarchies of the old world from getting their revolted colonies back. So when you basically see the revolts of these colonies, and that's sort of straight through the Napoleonic Wars and the end of Spanish and Portuguese rule in Latin America, straight through to the decolonialization of Africa up in the 60s. When you don't see those as consequences of Anglo-American foreign policy, you're sort of once again missing the elephant in the room. You're like, why did all of these European empires decay why did africa fall into like chaos and ruin it must have been like you know what harold mcmillan called the wind of change it must have been just something that happened it wasn't something that happened it was u.s foreign policy it was u.s diplomacy and so you know if you look for example can can you explain how we affected africa oh sure we affected africa by putting our feet on the necks of um of Belgium, for example, to be like, okay, we're going to punish you diplomatically and economically. So the case that I know best is really Suez. So in the Suez crisis of 1956, one thing most Mm -hmm. people don't know, which still kind of blows my mind, is that the alignment in Suez was very interesting. It was the U.S. and the USSR were on the same side. Britain, Israel, and France were on the other side. And these were the last sort of generation of kind of colonialist, imperialist leaders in Britain and France. The U.S. and the USSR simply would not let it happen. It would not let Britain basically restore order in its former college, colony of Egypt. And one of the things that happened, you know how U.S. and Soviet vessels used to sort of play tag at sea and engage in, like, dangerous maneuvers? The Sixth Fleet actually did this with the Royal Navy, as it was on its way to Suez. In <laughs> and moreover, Eisenhower called up Anthony Eden, cursed at him, use or at least use quote barnyard language and basically was like you want to eat you want oil you want your debts paid like you know basically fuck off Nasser and then Nasser decided he'd rather go with the Soviets anyway and 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 so like you know Ah, sort of the like iceberg under the basically the wave of like decolonialization is very much US foreign policy and you know speaking as I, I mean I sort of grew up in u.s foreign policy because my dad was a state department guy this isn't a conspiracy theory this is just the normal way shit gets done and so like the you know the set of imagine now sort of brazil here's a current Mm -hmm. case so in brazil bolsonaro just lost the election supposedly lost by you know 0.1 0.1 percent, whatever. Yeah. And you know, uh, I, you know, I've no special trust or distrust of the Brazilian election system. I believe they use computers. It seems to finish counting in one day, which is more than we can do. So it's probably better. Who knows? Whatever happened. Uh, but you know, honestly, I really don't care because Brazil is a foreign country to me. And as a foreign country, I will buy their Brazilian orange juice. I will drink their orange juice. I actually do not care at all about their government. I do not care about exercising power over Brazil. However, many you know Americans exercise uh, you know um, do care about exercising power over Brazil, and here is how that power affects Brazil. Which is the Bolsonaro is of course uh, you know a member. He's a former army officer himself, and you know he came very very close to calling it the army to intervene in Brazilian politics as they have done many times in the past. But you might notice that you don't see a whole lot of coups anymore in Latin America. Why is this? This is because if there's a coup in Brazil and Bolsonaro becomes a dictator on the back of the tanks, um, the entire international community will be like, no, this is not an acceptable government for Brazil. We must shut down trade and tourism and lending and basically just like fuck Brazil in the ass in every possible way. And even with solely financial tools, they can do this. So that is essentially not. I was going to
2: say, wouldn't a liberal capitalist say based? Wouldn't they say good? Wouldn't they say that this is preferable to a dictatorship? Wouldn't they say this is. Wait,
1: wait, no, no. I I believe that because Brazil is a foreign country to me and the definition of what it means for me to be a foreign country is I don't have an investment in their form of government. If you're an empire and like sort of the Warsaw Pact and you're basically saying, no, Czechoslovakia must remain socialist, they can't Mm. have they can't go capitalist. You know, that would be bad. That would be going the wrong direction in history, the right direction. That is sort of no different from the way that the U.S. enforces democracy in Brazil. So essentially, when you imagine, uh, you know, the, you know, a step that I would be very much in favor of, which is an American Brezhnev Doctrine, uh, not Brezhnev, Gorbachev Doctrine, sorry, um, we have the Brezhnev did you go in? Did you go in the wrong direction real
0: quick? Uh, yeah, yeah, I,
1: I, you know, <laughs> exactly. The Brezhnev Doctrine is what we have now. Sorry, the Gorbachev Doctrine, where Gorbachev comes out and he says to this Eastern European empire, he's like, hey, Poland. Hey, Czechoslovakia. Hey, Germany. You know, we know we had this thing about socialist brotherhood, and we have this thing called the Warsaw Pact, where we all met up in Warsaw and promised to be socialist brothers. Well, you know, I got some bad news for you. Bad news is there's no socialist brotherhood, it's not a pact. Uh, there's nothing Polish about the Warsaw Pact. You know, actually, it's just, you're just external provinces. And in fact, you may have these 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 politicians, they even win, they had elections in all these countries. Uh, you know, you have these politicians, you know, they're ruling in, you know, Berlin and Warsaw and Prague, you know, they claim to be German, Polish, Czech. They are, that's the language they grew up speaking, but I got to tell you, they work for us. Yeah, for uh, us Curtis,
0: I uh, I got to step in here for a bit. So what you guys were talking about right now in relation to the Warsaw Pact and the globo homo influence, if you will, <laughs> that the United <laughs> uh-huh. States has inflicted upon or, the rest of the or world. Or the regional anti-homo sure. Russian colonial. Sure, regime. absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, but specifically, right. if we just stick to that particular thing, I am of two minds here. Number one. I think it's very dumb for the United States to waste energy on either helping something like United Fruit back in the day or on maintaining this kind of global homo thing uh, around the world. But at the same time, I would be very foolish if I were to say that there would not be a gap of power. If the United States were to pack its bags and say, you know what, you guys could do whatever you want. Like, we're not going to mind that much if uh, Russia starts taking over chunks of the uh, Eastern European world. We're just going to stick to our own guns over here because there's not going to be an end to it. And it's a question of when exactly do we start fighting? Do we fight when Russia's weak or do we fight when Russia, like Kirby, has sucked? so many of these countries up into itself that it's become way stronger than it is right now. And maybe China is going to start looking slightly differently at Russia than it's looking at it right now and thinking, maybe this place has got potential. So that's the thing that I want to just to back
2: into back this perspective, perhaps with the uh, the the global homo again, said relatively positively uh, for the homos in chat. Um, The uh, basically like The these interests are, you know, you can say that like, oh, we shouldn't send, you know, goon squads to uh, Brazil or to a banana republics, literal banana republics in order to enforce our will and our material interest. But then, like, as an example, we do have this soft power, minor hard power, uh, pseudo, if you don't want to call it imperial, uh, we could call it like hegemonic or something, hegemonic uh, order. And as a result, there would be a lot of material, uh, material benefits that could potentially backslide that a lot of the people who are in charge of the world, just they're not going to let happen because it's not in their interest to allow it to happen. Um, and not just that, but like be, these people have some level of justification. So, for instance, like if we just let. South America. We're just like, Hey, you do whatever you want to do. Who gives a shit? I'm an American. I only care about America. Let's only handle America. And then next day, Bolsonaro has a coup. Well, the rebels, as a result, they start burning the, I don't know, banana or avocado or guava or whatever the fuck they have
1: fields. In protest and the next minute, we have no. The next minute, we have no bananas. The, or the,
2: the bananas are, God forbid, thirty cents more expensive than they were the week before. That's also an alternative. I mean, where we know, still have access to our goods, but when you add
1: it up, it's millions and billions and trillions of dollars. The vision, the vision of what sort of U.S. foreign policy is like meant to do, even is just a strange like. Blast from the past the main beneficiary of u.s foreign policy is u.s foreign policy it it doesn't have a purpose it just exists because it exists let me give you a more concrete example you know um, brazil is a country that most americans know a little less than mexico so let's apply this strategy to mexico we're going to say to mexico hey um you know how we've been um sponsoring revolutions in your country ever since we kicked out Maximilian and we fell in love with Pancho Villa and yada 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 we're gonna quit with that and actually you know what you could actually go all the way back and be part of Spain again you could resume your preferred name of the of España, or alternatively, in the 30s, most people don't know this, uh, but due to the popularity of uh, Hitler, Mexican Nazis were a huge thing. There was a big Mexican Nazi thing. They also had a, like a Christian revolt where they could kind of go in this other direction of like a handmaid's tale, Mexico. That would be kind of cool. Uh, you know, and you're just like, hey, Mexico, like, you know, we love you. We'll always love you. We'll always be your friends. We love your food. You love our tourists. Like, you know, whatever you want to do, do it you say this to Mexico and you mean it and you have it demonstrated that you mean it. And you know, what effect does that have on whom? Well, I can tell you the effect that it has on whoever's the guy with the biggest balls in the Mexican army. He's basically like, you know, I could very easily, do you know what Mussolini did to the mafia? Hmm. Yeah, you know, and and you don't know, but you can guess, and your guess would be right, you know, and and so the shit out of them right. and said, stay in line or else I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah, he they you know the Americans had to resurrect them uh, to maintain order when they occupied Italy, you know, and they were dead, and 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 so you know the idea of basically doing to Mexico what, for example, Paul Kagame did to Rwanda, where you're just like no. There's no like alternative to like complete civil order. I mean, there's a, there's another. Let me tell the story that I was I was going to tell earlier. This is not my story. I actually read it in the paper. Although it's unbelievable that someone would print something like this. Uh, supposedly there was an American diplomat in one of the Gulf states, and one day one of these you know rich ass Emiratis comes to him and is like, hey, you know, um, you know, I thought I could help out because I know how you can win the war in Afghanistan and the american was like what you know and the emirati's like oh it's simple i'll explain and he's like you see uh, you know i have hawks i i have these hawks and uh, we used to actually go to afghanistan to hunt the bustard you know with with hawks big big saudi prince thing and look i have this app on my cell phone that tells me where all of my birds are because they all have little tracking devices on them and you know here's how you can win the war in afghanistan basically just take all the afghans and and chip them the way the way i chip my hawks (laughs) and the american like and then you know you know who probably had that IED, right you know and the american looks at him and and he's like but that would violate their civil rights (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah. and among other problems, but I mean, I'm not saying that that is exactly the right solution. But you know, it's sort of thinking outside you know the box in a way that you don't American liberal. But mindset. but here's what I'm getting: and, Why and, do we have and, to have know, the why do we have to have the same and,
0: standards for and the so, Americans and, so, and them?
1: Right, and so when we basically say, you know, you know, I'm you know, put yourselves in the foot of the like generalissimo of Mexico or whatever Maximilian the Fourth whatever he wants to mm. call himself, he's just like, I'm just going to like arrest all the drug lords and like just like restore order well, to myself. But he wouldn't. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Why would he? Why, like, so because instance, like, he's it's... like trying to have control of his country. Like when you're in power, it's like yeah, and, completely and normal and yet... to like want to destroy all
2: competing power sources. Sure. Like, but why wouldn't you co opt that power considering it could give you
1: unlimited pussy and money right like like that's limited you're you're no 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 you're el presidente maximo for lifo like you have all the (laughs) pussy. you have all the money like that's not that's not a big deal okay hold on but there is let me me articulate you
2: you've done you've done a great job articulating why uh authoritarians want authority and why good kings can be good kings and all that kind of stuff um, at, at the at the chance of being cringe and sympathizing with liberals and Republicans and the Western global hegemonic order, uh, let me tell you what their moral objections would be. Is moral that through, through the lens of individualism, I'm not saying this is what they actually care about. I'm saying this is the rhetoric they would use to uh, get normal people to care. They would say that individuals want to exercise some degree of autonomy. They, they want to be able to express themselves. They want to be able to be who they are. They, they want to, uh, if they're gay, they want to be gay. If they're trans, they want to be trans. If they're uh, communist, they want to be communist. If
1: they're whatever, they want to be whatever. Are you right? sure you call that autonomy? That sounds more like conformity to me.
2: Uh, in, in our society, it might be, but that's just because of how po- like culturally dominant it is. Anyway, Anyways, well, so most be um,
1: conform with some tradition, right? Like they well, they don't but be...
2: if, if, I, if I may, uh,
1: if you'll indulge me for I'm another just minute. I'm, I'll stop.
2: No, it's fine. the uh, so basically uh, what the the sympathy from the, the liberal heartstrings would be is, well, if I was born in a backwards, uncivilized uh, anti-Western society like Afghanistan and I was gay and at the at the chance of finding the love of my life, I had to risk my life um, and basically run the risk of being you know, executed with an AK-47 in a
1: stadium uh, for shits and giggles, then that would be horrific. It seems to me that there's a very simple yes. Yeah, so, so, so people aren't necessarily. It's a, it's a good question. It's a serious question. People, I do believe that there should be genuinely lots of kinds of society on this earth. I believe that, you know, people in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, should be free to be Amish, and you know, people in the middle of nowhere, Iran, should be free to, you know, have their woman wear veils. I also believe that. People are often born into these traditional societies and don't really fit in them very well. And to me, How do you solve that, that, suggests, problem? that suggests a very simple relationship between Bugfoot's Nowhere, Afghanistan, and Santa Monica, whereas Bugfoot, Nuts Nowhere, Afghanistan, when these supple youths come of age, can basically say, hey, you know, we don't need you here. We give up. Did the Taliban give up that, the, the pedo thing? What was it called? Bakabazi. Bakabazi, right. You know. I I, ha- I-, I
2: have no idea. Like, so for right, instance, right. like that, there was American counter propaganda about uh, basically like rural Afghans banging tiny T-boys and it being a part of the corruption of the Afghan National Army. I have no idea if that also uh, just real quick, the um, the person who escaped uh, like literally just left an American base and walked and got captured by the uh, the Taliban immediately.
1: Uh, it was rumored oh, that he was abused because his beard was shaved. Ooh, that's a, that's an ugly story. Um, um, yeah. So basically, you know, look, Afghanistan has gay youths. It doesn't want any gay youths. It has no interest in gay youths. You know, out in Santa Monica, they have a very large interest in gay youths. It seems like basically put them on a plane. Problem solved. Nobody gets tortured. You know, and, you know, occasionally there's people in Santa Monica that would like to live a more traditional, simpler way, a different kind of lifestyle. Maybe there's some women who would like to be trad wives. You know, I'm sure there's a shake, you know, ready for that. I mean, you know, that kind of it should be possible to cross cultural lines without saying we have to destroy all the indigenous cultures and all the indigenous political systems of the earth and you sort of see behind the sort of urge to revolutionize there's this sort of urge to conquer that's really like it's like a a sort of vicarious urge to conquer because it doesn't assume the responsibility to administer and so we do this thing of conquering Iraq and Afghanistan without administering them and then we're like why did this not work (laughs) and the the British Empire would
0: be the other example right like with the burning of the widows uh, being stopped by the British uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, also that's like
2: a... in in West Africa, like uh, the the twins being put into like clay jars and left out to die in the jungle, and like all that kind of shit.
1: Well, yeah, like, so yeah. Instance, I mean, like, we've I'm all not... seen this Roman well, King movie, but well... they had some fucked up shit going on there. Well, and, uh... and so
2: so for instance, so that's where for me, like I, you know, there, there's some level of imperialism where like I come from the savages, right? Like like I'm I'm Celt by ethnicity. Mm. I I'm happy, relatively speaking. Um, that the, the Romans took an interest in uh, kicking my ancestors' fucking ass so my current day society is not worshiping trees and fucking sacrificing children on stone altars. So, so for instance, while there's all these like, uh, you know, negative associations with imperialism and colonialism and you know, just let everybody do what they want to do and we can just have like, free flow of people and blah, 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 and people can go where they want to be and all that kind of stuff, I don't think that's how it would actually work. Um, well, I you know, the I, way it would work know, would be kind of the way that we look at history.
1: Well, you know, I, I, you know, which to that I say, porque no, no los dos, you know, did the name, uh, does the name does the name William Walker <laughs> does the name William Walker mean anything to you? He was the president Is of that, of e... yeah. Was that the guy he who moved, moved Afghanistan destiny? and fought us? No, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, that's that's um that's the, the John Walker. Walker and you know, Some William of, Walker yeah. was in the mid nineteenth century. He was uh, he was a child genius. He graduated from Johns Hopkins at the age of 14 or some fucking shit. And then he decided he wanted to take over the nation of Honduras, which was amazing because, you know, he's a white motherfucker, you know, and and, and he does this. You know, it's this is the age of what's called filibustering. And so, you know, to recognize that Honduras is an independent country is also to say to motherfuckers like you, you know, hey, you know, you want to go take a stab at like turning it into like. You know your own private kingdom like that's also not, <laughs> it's not like a private thing for Hondurans, you know if you can go down there and like fight in the honduran jungle and become king of honduras man that's fucking awesome go you know like that's off to you like go for it you know and so you know that's that's why i say uh porque no those dos you know, no that's and... no listen listen listen
2: i'm happy to go down meme territory with you as a matter of fact i'm happy to go down like great men of history who had i admire territory for instance uh who the fuck was it it, it it's one of those things that um it drives me crazy uh simone Bolivar, right Simone Bolivar, he basically looks at the caste system of South and Central America. He says, fuck this. Like, even though I'm a person of privilege and wealth, um, I'm going to create an army of like mixed uh, income, mixed race, mixed whatever to institute a, you know, a more Western modern egalitarian Republican society.
1: I'm sure they got to understand that Bolivar is as much a product of British foreign policy as Zelensky is a product of US foreign policy. Well, but, and I but, wouldn't be surprised, but but at the same time,
2: he's able to go into the jungle and eat, survive off of coconuts for two years and get leeches, dysentery. Man, he not,
1: like, leeches like no one's business.
0: I want to make sure right, we get back the, to the uh, original conversation <laughs> here where I we, think we're we talking. We will, about, but it's analogous. Yes. Okay. The,
2: and, and, the, and the reason why it's analogous is because when you have this like freewheeling fucked up men of great history, whatever, Mm. like we can, we can look back on, uh, whoever's rival tribe. If you want to look back at the indigenous people and say, Hey, they succeeded. Awesome. Good for them. Um, they're, they're creating their own little society and we're, you know, we're blessed to have them as a part of like unique and interesting history. And then if I want to look at the, um, what is it? If I want to look at the Simone Boulevard's of the world who are in the Zelensky's of the world who are products of Globo homo, but they achieve great things for liberal Republican values or whatever the fuck you we mean, can like, do that. Down
1: half their country and killing 250,000 people. Sure. Well, uh, um, no, that's
2: sure. fine. So, <laughs> like, so, so, um, but the point being that like, at, as a matter of fact, when we have these two people fighting each other, what happens is you burn a third of a country and kill 250,000 people. So wouldn't it be you're saying kind of let it freewheel and let these people do what they're going to do. And we'll go over into our corner. They go into their corner. They'll figure it out. I mean, blah, Imagine blah,
1: imagine blah. how awful things would be in Central Europe if, you know, they're bad now. But imagine if we'd left the Austro-Hungarian Empire intact czarist russia think about how you know jews would be beaten with the note or something i don't know i don't know what would have happened but there probably would have been a world war one and a world war two and a, like all the shit well, down, to down. See, uh, this is no
2: this is actually interesting like historical uh perspective though because for instance like yeah world war one world war two absolutely fucking horrific i'm not going to be like oh yeah great we did that like i'm not going to fucking say that shit but at the same time this would have all been unresolved conflict that would have come to the fore in my mind eventually anyways, because nationalism, um, which like I'm, I'm a quote unquote like civic nationalist, paperwork nationalist. Um, I think that you can uh, believe in certain principles and then cohere a a society, relatively speaking, and then create like uh, uh, something
1: worth defending and dying for and living for and uh, all that kind of crap.
2: So, I mean, you know, when I
1: look at, when I look at central Europe, I just, you know, in the whole, like, linguistic nationalism national sovereignty woodrow wilson you know stuff i first of all it looks like they burned the place down just for fun secondly i think it's even worse than that because actually sort of the place is being burned down for these kind of bureaucratic objectives of originally british foreign policy which don't fucking matter at all to like anyone in london like who's in charge and like bucharest and but it mattered a lot to these bureaucrats who were like, oh we'll have a nice little war and that will settle everything. I you know, I don't resolve, you know, sort of this idea that peace means leaving conflict unresolved. Uh, you know, yeah. I uh, I really well that that's you know, what I'm saying apply, is the... if you apply that approach to like your marriage, you're gonna be like Putting a lot of holes in drywall you know i mean like, well
2: the, no but the, but this is actually this is interesting because the way that you want a sovereign to control a nation by not allowing the power vacuums and factionalism to tear each other apart is the same way that I view American hegemony as largely preventing tribal factions from ripping each other apart. So you're making the argument on a national level and then saying each nation should, you know, decide how they're going to live and die and all that kind of stuff. And we shouldn't obliterate the cultures of the world, which I'm kind of sympathetic to. But then what I'm also saying is that we should extrapolate the hegemony to something larger than ourselves, which is like a liberal Republican commercial hegemony. But then that, prevents the things that you're worried about on a
1: national level so it's actually and kind it of causes, funny and yeah mm-hmm. it, of, of course and it causes mm-hmm. basically i just think that first of all you have a pretty fucked up you know system of government and i think that having only one real government in the world is like a reg- re- recipe for like civilizational like and maybe even like species disaster and mm-hmm. and and you know that's why and, and i noticed that when human progress seems most acute, it's from especially regions which have the opposite of that, like, you know, Greece in 400, 500 BC or medieval Italy, which have a large number of competing sovereignties. And so that sort of urge to like destroy competing sovereignties and systems of government, I don't think has produced very good government in these countries. I don't see it as having... A positive effect on, I think, the governance of, you know, Mexico or to give it its proper name, Nueva Espana, has not improved over the last 200 years versus the 200 years before then, and you know, I just regard the like this whole sort of, you know, like missionary impulse of extending this form of government to the world. When we can't even extend anything like our form of government to Mexico, Mexico is not governed in the same way that New Jersey is. But it's called the United States of Mexico, and it has a constitution, and it has all this like garbage that it got from America instead of the. I mean, whatever I'm, you think let, would functionally work for Mexico you, from a cultural level. Yeah, I'm sitting right now on occupied Habsburg land, and and like as far Wait, as I'm what aware, territory? I, it's called California.
2: <laughs> wait, 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 wait! But if they didn't, cl- okay, claiming it and conquering it are two different fucking things. Yeah, and developing it is it another theirs. Thing. It okay. was
1: part of your, your, their country. Our country stole I, it in 1850. Okay, like, okay. okay. Listen, I will like, agree. That's with how this. you steal shit. Okay, right I
2: will agree with this. However, I do want to point out this is also like a homesteading where whoever develops it has some level of property claim. So, for instance, I've actually looked this up for the census, uh, the Mexican census of uh, the, the territory of California in like 1840, like a few years before the war. It was like 3,000 colonists were in, in like the entirety of California. So compare that to the the millions upon millions upon millions, millions of mean, I mean, now know, live really... in the United States. I Israelis mean, made sorry, this
1: point like, with respect to Palestine and they have, you know, yeah, I, I'm simp- highly sympathetic to rights of conquest. Like I'm just, uh, you know, uh, I'm not not going to pull your chain in my well, – I got to
0: step that. in here for uh, another second. So would it be possible to separate two things here, separate the countries that are invaders, that are aggressors, if you will, that are – trying to take over countries versus countries that could by themselves, whether we're talking about a future for Ukraine or Poland or any kind of country that's kind of based, would it be possible for the United States not to intrude, for that to be a policy, not to intrude on these based countries, while if a country gets too agro, too feral, then the United States can intrude?
2: If if you'll indulge me for a second, okay? Just uh, because, you know, basically no. Um, And and the reason why, and Curtis might hate this, is from my perspective, uh, power abhors a vacuum. So, uh, for instance, in Afghanistan, in the interlude between the uh, Russo-Afghan War and the American-Afghan War, there was like the Civil War that saw the Taliban rise to power. And reading about that was like phenomenally interesting because rather Mm -hmm. than just being like, oh, we're like a little island nation. Nobody gives a shit about us. Let's figure out our own stuff. We're going to fight between our tribes and all that kind of stuff. What happened instead is power players that you would have never given a shit about. We're playing their hand in Afghanistan. Not
1: not Jabullah so for like years, right? Yeah, like Pakistan,
2: Iran, and Oman were paying people in Afghanistan to fight each other so they could get their own little falconry estates, you know, in the in the great
1: province of Afghanistan.
2: So so for me, there's no uh no I, you know I, as, as
1: I speak as American, like my I feel that having spent so much money on Afghanistan, I have a stake in that. And the idea that some Omani guy is gonna take away my- Then go, the no, you it. In Afghanistan, yeah, I, go I, and learn millions miles. Millions of
2: your tax dollars are, are spent <laughs> in Afghanistan. I'm like, I'm like if the Omani is my, in
1: fact, my solution for the Afghan war for many years uh. was that there are two countries with land borders with Afghanistan, which despite Granite, great uh, like Pakistan, um, or Pakistan, and no, there's an even better candidate. Most people don't know about this, and despite my great love for Afghan national national resources, the lapis lazuli, you know, amazing, most beautiful, all the granites for gas, all the granites, you know, there's a lot of you know, opium, let's not forget opium, you know, come on, you know, which of us does not enjoy it, you know, a good talk of opium, right? You know, despite all of that, as an American, I understand that, you know, I, my tax dollars, you know, anyway, you're asked, but my tax dollars, uh, conquered, uh, conquered Afghanistan, but I'm ready to give it all up. I feel that it's just uh-huh. a drag and right. in order for it to not become a pestilence on the world population, I suggest that it be simply be seated to and become a province of one of two countries with a land border on Afghanistan. The obvious candidate being Pakistan, which kind mm-hmm. of place anyway to be honest. And the dark horse candidate, mm-hmm. China, <laughs> the Chinese. And so we say Premier Xi, like. Mm-hmm. this is in your backyard you fucking handle it <laughs> number one this is in your backyard number two we've we've been looking we in the american national security state we've been we've been watching we've been looking at your work with the Uyghurs, and we're like not how i would handle you're it killing me you're but i gotta say you're getting uh, results I'm not uh, seeing a lot of like global Uyghur terrorism. God. You know, the Uyghurs seem, you know, they're they're seeming pretty loyal. You know, and but the thing is, you know, like we wow. like Uyghurs. I can take any Uyghur. You know, like try a Pashtun, you'll be surprised. It's a they're, different they're very spicy. people. You know, and they're and are, they're a very money. spicy yeah. people, and 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 the you know the thing God, is you'll enjoy. Damn. You'll be able to import the spicy Pashtun food, the, like Shashlik or whatever, or lots of lamb. You'll get live fire combat training up the wazoo, which was the main advantage, honestly. Of you get to blood your system. troops. You get to get you some get to combat. blood yeah. your troops. You get, get some, some experience. Practice Close that Close air support. Arts. Close air support. Test out those yeah. like, cheap Chinese tanks. You know, yeah, Type 98 and rifles yeah, that are firing the the bullets sideways at let's 15 not, yards. You know, and then you're just let's like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then you're like, but the natural resources. And I'm like, you get those too. Like the gas, the lapis lazuli. And you let's can, not forget, like cheap labor. Like China is running out of labor. Like, you know, like labor rates in China are going up. Here's this population. They're still breeding. There's still a very high fertility rate. Go go figure in you know war-torn afghanistan so you get opium uh. you get slaves you get like these are the traditional purposes of of conquest you know for emperor G, this should be a natural and mm-hmm. you know this is the kind you know, again and this is the kind of creative u.s mm-hmm. foreign policy not bureaucratic it's not a bureaucratic policy this is a mm-hmm. creative pro- policy and you know as far as what it would do for americans not even having to think about Afghanistan, you know, think of all the Americans we lost, and you know, we would not lose all these lives, you know. Instead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, and, and, and all these make, surveillance um... technologies would be tried out, practiced. You know, they'd put air tags on all the Afghans, or maybe in the Afghans, like an implanted air tag. Like, imagine trying to plant an IED when you've got all right. We're moving
2: pretty an... far to the sun.
1: But you know, and uh, no, no, no. Then
2: they can have their, you have Remember, Lone Survivor? We can watch the, the Chinese version of Lone Survivor, where Chinese special forces <sighs> get shot down and 30 special forces yeah, operators yeah, I think die. They, they, but this I one guy, yeah, he then more like thousands
1: people, and then they'd basically round up everyone in you know the what, surrounding nine grid squares and they'd send them off for educational and vocational training and the Uh, that's actually the that's the real uh, yeah that's the real movie uh, yeah right exactly like guerrilla war is a joke there's no such thing as a guerrilla war like you just like it's it's a you know you can only sustain it. This is why the CIA never managed to get a rebels against like the Soviets. It wasn't because the Soviets were oppressive. It was just like, oh, we'll just like round all the people up in this area and we if we can't tell who's a rebel, we'll just send them elsewhere. Wait, but like, how do you, you know, explain Afghanistan at the them end them of the
2: elsewhere. USSR? That's a very sanitized way of phrasing it. <laughs> sure. I
1: mean, they did. They were also somewhat abusive, you know. Yeah, send them the to British, the afterlife. Course, <laughs> hmm. No, familiar, but to be but to be familiar, fair though. the country that you're familiar with the country that invented the concentration camp, right, which is the British in the Boer War. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, like guess what, is there a okay, Boer so War? Okay, so hold on, hold on. In...
2: I got I got a reel in the meme, okay? So I'm okay. I'm a I am a memer
1: myself, big fan. Uh um, my of China
2: yeah, my uh, my big meme is screw the narcos. Like, why why are we playing this game mm-hmm. where we're just letting them control Central and South America? Why don't we just go ahead and annex everything down to the Panama Canal, and then we realize uh, Simone Bolivar's idea of Grand uh, Colombia, and you basically divide up you know the northern half of South America in Grand Colombia and the southern half with some Brazilian, Argentine, Chilean alliance, and, you and you then- divide it
1: into plots, and then you sell the plots as NFTs.
2: <laughs> so, so listen the the point is'm I'm, I'm a big fan of the memes but the 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 underlying truth of these scenarios is we are talking about like um, the the alternative so so let's talk about the actual alternatives the real alternatives because the real alternatives, are kind of like the, the revitalized nationalism that you're talking about, where countries actually follow national borders and national interest, and they pursue their own destinies and all that kind of crap. And if it's under a monarch, it is. If it's under some giant, um, you know, homosexual paradise uh, Jews, where everybody Jews, can do- Jews could be in control of any Ju- number of countries. Yeah,
1: right, totally right, cool. Ju- Ju-
2: Jewish homosexual heroine mm-hmm. paradise, oh, right? Oh. right? Okay, so, so, but every, every country is allowed to pursue its own destiny. Um, so that's one option. The other option, which I find more likely is continued global commercial hegemony of whatever you want to call it, global homo. And the question is whether or not we can reel that in for actual human good. That's another option. And then the final option is basically, um, I don't know, like anarchy and just letting the world do whatever the fuck you want. And then it'll what about be a like, Warham, the Warhammer,
1: what about like Warhammer 40 K? Like, well, ooh, you well said the magic see, word. I'm, all,
2: I'm playing dark tide as we speak. And um, the the point being (laughs) that uh, basically, like, um, I do feel like it's going to take an external threat to get humanity to organize. Um, So I don't think that uh, you were talking about like this, like, cultureless, um, no longer rich world where every country is like deracinated and there's no regional cultures and all that kind of stuff i don't i don't think i think just by metrics of how immigration works it'll be like pools of people that move into new areas and have impacts on the broader culture but i don't think it's going to like completely alter like I, I still think a thousand years from now people in the Middle East and North Africa will be speaking Arabic I still think people in Europe will be speaking Franklish um, or Franglish German or some shit like I still think there will be some regionalized culture that's going to survive Um, and so as a result, what we really need is we need fucking aliens to invade the goddamn planet so we can unite as a species and then start conquering planets. And then instead of talking about like, you know, Oh, Oh, we have all these competing systems on planet earth. Who gives a shit about earth? Let's talk about the competing systems between Mars and earth and fucking all that kind of shit. So, so I always feel like, um, to, to get away from the memes for a second, I feel like humans are tribal. They are competitive And liberalism, as much as a lot of people hate it, it allows you to be competitive in tribal with soft power, um, you know, money as as compared to hard power, which is violence. So
1: a lot of people prefer the soft power over the hard power. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, the hard power like we've when you look at. The late Roman Empire, you know, in some ways people are like, the comparison of America to Rome is obvious, but are we the Roman Republic or the Roman Empire? And I regard the optimistic take as saying that we're the Roman Republic and like many centuries of imperial greatness lie in our future. We could also be the Roman Empire and like the downfall of civilization could be upon us. And when you look at the Roman Empire, a lot of people like, you know, especially like, frankly, right wingers, people who believe in like state secession, Texas will rise again or whatever, I think are missing the lesson of the Roman Empire, which is a very grim lesson, which is that people would assume that the roman empire the roman empire was basically made up of hundreds of what had once been city states and until actually quite late in the roman empire these city states really were entirely self-governing just lacking any foreign policy any like military or whatever uh, and then you know as economic conditions deteriorated you started to get weird like economic shit coming down from the center price fixing and so on but You would expect that as the center disappeared, these cities would restore their sovereignty. And they did not. They never did. Mm -hmm. Athens did not rise again. What had happened was that people basically had become completely deracinated. They had been globalized, they had been Romanized, and they'd been completely civilianized. And so they no longer had the sense of what um, even Kaldun called asabia the sense of sort of being part of, you know, the sort of sports fan, even sense of being part of a group and like sacrificing for the group. And they certainly had, you know, the military, um, you know, skills of like a little girl. And so, you know, one of the things that happened, for example, in in Brazil, in England, was that when sort of the last legion occupying Egypt had to leave for like tax reasons or other shit, they're like, well, You know, I know you're having this problem with these Saxons, these barbarians, uh, you know, who are coming illegally across the border. And like, you know, somebody's doing raping, you know, and and the like the Romans are like, but like, don't worry, because like you would number these Saxons is a lot more of you than of them. And what you need to do is very simple, like you need to take up the old Roman tradition of the civilian soldier and get some practice in with the short sword, kind of work out a little bit, like take a stick and go, Shoom, hoom, hoom, you'll be up, you know, and, and that was, that seemed like a good idea at the time. And the next, we don't really hear that much from Britain after that. The next thing we hear is this thing, Dick City of by the Gildas, And, you know, it talks about like dogs licking blood, you know, off the streets or whatever. Clearly an exaggeration. We don't know when it went on. It was probably a very peaceful act of, um, you know, diversity. Um, but, uh, you know... Are yeah, not talking and,
2: about, like, Vikings and Normans invading yeah, England yeah, and finding a bunch of pacified but, pussies? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: they're a bunch of pacified pussies. And so, you know, when I think of the future, basically, it's very simple. The future is the third world. So, for example, if you go down to Haiti, Haiti has a constitution and elections and the United Nations and all these great things, but actually the place is under the control of a warlord. And barbecue and if you want to get some pictures of barbecue probably the pictures will look like what you think they're going to look like right and so uh, you know uh, people
2: with tires on their necks getting set on fire
1: that was more south africa but yeah you know and 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 so Winnie mandela you know and (laughs) the um and so when i think of sort of kind of this sort of chaotic future that we're descending in it's an order it's a society and you see it very keenly here in the Bay Area, where you go into the Walgreens, and it's like you know everything is like locked up, uh, you know behind like bars, even in the store, because basically, actually, anyone can just walk into any store and this with a bag and just start throwing stuff into it. No one will resist you physically. If there's a cop around, they <laughs> might arrest you, let you go, you know. And and so you're basically seeing like kind of breakdowns in order, which are strangely reminiscent of the breakdowns of order in decolonialization, certainly. If you look at the breakdown of water in South Africa over the last 30 years, that certainly tells you a lot. People now consider it completely normal. You and I, if we lived in South Africa, we would have razor wire under house. We'd have an armed response firm. This would be considered completely normal, and you wouldn't even think about it. And so you know, that's sort of clearly the coming future. Then when you look politically in this area, you will frequently See the slogan uh, written on various uh, walls uh, ninguna persona es ilegal which means oh, no human fucking is illegal. Me. Yep, yep, yeah yeah exactly and the thing is if there's anyone in this country or even anyone in this chat who can articulate a reason why your rights as a human being should depend on the GPS coordinates where your mother squeezed you out I would like to hear it because that doesn't seem to me to have anything to do with a oh,
2: person's uh, well hold on but I could actually answer that Power and the ability to enforce these social mores. So, 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 for instance, like, um, I, I'm with you, in so far as what chafes my fucking ass about Republicans and liberals is they're fucking pussies. They're just such mm-hmm. fucking whiny baby back fucking pussies who can't control shit, and as a result there's a part of me that looks at the fucking empire or looks at this liberal fucking uh, hellscape or whatever. And I'm like, you don't even deserve what you have. You don't deserve uh, like the, the fruits of civilization. Because have you ever read, nothing- a, well,
0: read a book called... You-
2: Can you indulge me a rant before you I'm ask me whether or not I've read it? <laughs> so sorry, so, sorry, so sorry. when you're talking about like the Roman um, citizen soldiers or whatever who like look at the fucking Anglos and they're like, hey, how about you guys stop being pussies? Like I sympathize with that deeply because I don't think you keep a republic or keep a civilized society unless you're able to maintain it. And you maintain it through force and strength. Now, you can be a little bit restrained with your force and strength. You can have constitutions. You can have respect for human law and rights and all that kind of stuff. But when those norms and rules are motivated, the answer isn't to go. We'll let a billion more people in, and of course they're going to adapt to our culture. It's, I'm going to hit your ass with this fucking stick until you basically abide by the social mores that we mm. expect out of you.
0: But, here, but here's um, the question, the, though. Can we maintain that the, without a dictatorship? That's the question that's that I think why, we're I at.
1: think why, so. Well, maybe you should be the, the dictator. Have you ever read a book called Bronze Age Mindset? <laughs> Bronze, Age, Bronze Age, <laughs> Age Mindset. I haven't. But yeah, you know, if that's sort of, I mean... The reality on the ground in like, you know, pussy ruled America where I am is like this is the future. The future is all pussy all the time. And 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 not the good kind, like the fucking like like the the sad kind. Yeah. the, The sad kind. And so when we look at sort of the number, when we talk about America today, it's this huge continent full of like goodies inhabited by like 300 350 billion people something like that i mean our government is so inept that we don't even know how many people are in the country to within you know 10 million right you know which is retarded um and i'm sorry developmentally delayed and and oh i love the lead. word retard everybody in my yeah, channel does too, yeah, yeah. So. just say just say delayed instead it'll it'll be the new euphemism. Uh, you know and the like and and You basically say, what is stopping a quarter of the population of Africa from moving here? Do they not want to? No, they want to. And, you know, all of Haiti, certainly, they want to. Do they not have enough boats? Eh, It's a little bit of a barrier. But mostly, it's sort of this, like, these systems that are sort of still working from the days in which people actually believed in not being pussies. But nobody would invent something like border control today. And, you know, it's just... Mm. It's blatantly. Yeah, because the it's the, not really some people would be it's yeah, not really those GPS who coordinates care. you care about now, is it? You know? Uh, and 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 so basically, you know, when you're like, you know, this should be this, should be that, it's like, you know, this country will look a little bit different when it's got three hundred million more Latin Americans and five hundred million more Africans in it. It will be a different place. You will have you, a different. But do feeling. you not
2: believe in some level of like geographic determinism? So, for instance, like we had Spanish colonial uh, projects operating mm. in parallel to Anglo colonial uh, projects, and we took over a continent uh, along with like indigenous Americans, and then we brought a bunch of fucking slaves here. Like, wasn't it all? Like, isn't it almost like a foregone conclusion that these people, by just through sheer virtue. Of inhabiting this continent are going to share it, and as a result, have to share culture and have this to share is what, expectations. This is what
1: this is what some call the magic dirt, you know, theory. And um well, I don't think Buffon, it's magic dirt. I think you have to fight Buffon, for it. Buffon, the naturalist, also believed that animals naturally grew larger on American soil. My 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 suggestion might. would be more space We food. try. Yeah, my my suggestion should, would be that we we try this policy. Maybe with like Saskatchewan or some really marginal piece of land. And we basically will take, I mean, why not the whole population of Haiti and put it in Saskatchewan and see how they do. And then we'll give, uh, uh, we We kind of did it close to
0: that with uh, what's that state? You know, the one I'm talking about Uh, the one with Elon Omar. What's that state? The one with Elon Omar, Minnesota.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Hold up, hold up. So, all right. There's the shitty way to do this, which is, Pick up fucking Haiti and just drop it off in fucking Saskatchewan. Like, oh, and see what happens. like
1: you, you know, have to pull it kind of through the Panama Canal. Which is, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just drag around me. Yeah. through the Northwest Physi- Passage. Yes. Yeah. yes. Actually, yeah. physically drag it here. Don't even have it be the same way. La- yeah. OK. Yeah. So, so the point being there's there's that idea. The other idea is. You know you kind of let some people in not everybody all the time the people who have a good case to be here and then you send them to our schools and our schools are well-funded actually can teach people culture and behavior and our social mores and what we expect out of people and all that kind of shit and then we anglify them or americanize them or whatever the fuck you want to call well it. Two, things, um, two things two things uh, two
1: things there one is that that's you know a very imperialistic project, which I of course, you know, um endorse. The you know, the other <laughs> yeah. question is is like
2: sorry, that's like could no, I have to point this out. Ninety five percent of the ninety-five percent of the time I'm having these conversations and somebody says that's you know, that's imperialism and then they just like kind of like let the dead they they let the dead hair <laughs> Uh, or they they let the dead air hang in order to imply yeah. that you're a bad person. So I'm very happy that I'm a part of a conversation where you're like, "This is a very yeah. imperial notion, one that I support."
0: It's true. It's true. But but counterpoint's been on Twitch too
1: long. When when Ugh. when you know, like, even imperialism has limits, and and when we when we look God. at attempts to basically take you know European systems of government and society and impose them on people whose recent ancestry is largely non-European, we find it hard to really point at a large number of successes empirically. And there's one example that I like to use, which is sort of an interesting example because it's actually a relatively successful example, which is called the reductions of Paraguay. This yeah. The Reductions of Paraguay, kind of, very cool name. It was actually a system of Jesuit ministry, you know, ma- uh, missions in Paraguay in the 17th and 18th century that, for some weird Spanish reason, were called re- re- Reducciones. And what they did was basically sent a bunch of fucking Jesuits to Paraguay. And was like, you're going to make the Indians live like Europeans. And it was very um coercive it was like okay this is your job your new name is jaime you will speak of the spanish you will do this job you will make shoes you very command economy and then you know you will sing hymns you will take confession Uh, whatever they really basically impose a very rigid european system by force it kind of worked and you can see like the like brick hulks of this that were built by the reductions rotting away in the desert however the jesuits had like a bad hair day and like some political thing in lisbon and got their asses handed to them and these things were all well, shut down and the, Jes- the Indians went back into the jungle mm. and you know so in terms of like experiences like saying this is really a solvable problem i was debating this very irritating liberal fellow named ben burgess, burgess the other day Oh, what a classic and, gentleman! And, yes, and very gentlemanly fellow. And and you know, i um, you know in the car on the way to the show. He admitted that he did not actually believe in the blank slate, but on the air, he was um, uh, for whatever reason, perhaps I'd gotten his goat, attempting to impl- implicate me as a um, it's a bad word. Yeah, I'd rather not say and and, like and, and, or, uh... and 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 you know, I I don't like using these kinds of words, but but the the <laughs> the uh, um. You know, he basically, uh, we wind up basically having this sort of interesting comparison of like kind of social and economic policy between Haiti and, um, and Iceland. And, you know, there's a very essential and fundamental difference between Haiti and Iceland, which is, of course, obviously the latitude, because one of them's down here and one of them's up here. Right, and you know, given I obviously very can't very tell when you're shit of, posting anymore, but maybe very, it's for the best. Very significant difference, like you know, between these countries, you know, and um, I got him to sort of defend the position, which I found very interesting. That one of the reasons for Icelandic success, maybe it was Nor, I think it was Norway, Norwegian success was that they're high. They have a very, of course, the Norwegian social model. They have a very high minimum wage. And it seemed to him that in terms of reforms that would put Haiti firmly on the track to the 21st century, what they really needed in Haiti was a high minimum wage. And I sort of let that observation kind of rest gently where it was, you know, like a fine mm. wine, you know, <laughs> like I was, I was prepared to let that simmer. I do hope that he visits Haiti one of these days and, you know, takes a, mm. a tour. But, there, or... but there's another
0: approach that could be taken here, which is mm. the Martin Luther King approach. Judge people mm. according to the quality of their the character. character. How about yeah. we judge people according to the quality of their character before like... they actually arrive? Well,
1: what is the quality of the Haitian character?
0: Well, hold on. It's going so to the... depend on the individual person. I'll give you an example. No, my, friend, no, no, no. my friend Daniel, whose uh, father was from Haiti, he is going to Brooklyn Tech right now. He is an absolute superstar. And yes, mm-hmm. you could say that culturally that would be a great exception. But because that exception exists, I see no reason why that exception would not be welcome in the country. The... I don't care how okay, many. So my point le- is that le- there are oh, exceptions. Oh, Lev, let me, Lev, let me...
2: oh my god, come on. I want to, right. I want to defend no. yeah. Curtis's honor for a fucking second right. while also like trying to strike the actual centrist middle ground here okay so my mm. my uh fear with just saying like oh well let's just let all the good Haitians in or the good Indians in or the good Pakistanis or the good whatever is all that kind of stuff is also like brain drain we're stealing no, the world were, we're not we're, doing we're,
1: raping yeah you know yeah, and, well, and
2: come on Curtis I'm trying to Sorry. I'm trying to defend your honor here you <laughs> son of a bitch so no but but I'm saying like but I'm but I'm kind of serious is like one of the problems with afghanistan is so for instance you brought up like the special forces or whatever who are basically just you know the people who are sober enough to carry a rifle are the best soldiers in afghanistan um but there are actually uh, you know a few veteran units from the northern alliance who were trained by our special forces who did like pretty kick-ass like door kicking work from an american standard but of course they're like a very few people and then the point is like if you're just like oh well afghanistan's fucked Anybody who has, like, any level of competence, intelligence, or moral fiber is allowed into the United States, well, what you've done is essentially robbed that region of the people who you want most to impact that society. And hey, so, I just, and, had, a, I just ooh, had a
1: great okay. foreign policy idea, which is why don't we take these motherfuckers and have them fight in the Ukraine, and they could, like, be as, like, mercenaries or something. Wouldn't that mm. be cool? I'm sorry.
2: Well, if, they, if they're if they down and they're getting paid a shitload of money, then whatever. Um, yeah. So so vo- volunteerism, like the, the people actually having a choice and wanting to do it is a part of my moral calculus. You don't think there's a lost
0: uh, cause scenario for some countries, at least right now, are. before the there U.S. Are. goes, let's say, full imperium mode, gets into Haiti and cleans shit up. And at that point, we could say, OK, now the specialists and the engineers and whatever uh, go do your thing. But right now, I don't really see there's that much no, of a chance for a lot of the people who want no, to make something out of that.
2: There's no intentionality behind this. And this this is where, um, like, like Curtis's cynicism and mine kind of align, where we hide behind this, like, humanitarian, uh, globalist, liberal, Republican, moral value set for, oh, think of the gays in Afghanistan and think of the gays in Pakistan and think of the ethnic minorities who are being purged and blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, we, we always say that shit, but then there's no plan to, one, um, basically get those people integrated back into their own societies so they can thrive. And th- so those societies can thrive. And then two, the reason why we bring them over here isn't out of like some humanitarian desire. Although I guess we could, we, we can hide behind that for a moment. It's because we want healthy, happy, intelligent, productive people. And we don't give a shit where we steal them from, but then we make the world a less rich place by basically stealing all the happy healthy productive intelligent I think it would be nice it would be society. nice
1: if, if the policy was as um rationally motivated as that but it's like just the shit that we do but the like, I you know, the statistic that I've what, heard of everybody is because... from the Middle East
2: and North Africa isn't a fucking engineer and a doctor who fucking walked their way to Europe. Uh, no,
1: But, you know, yeah, I mean, there's perfectly like all these no, stories, I'm, all these, I'm all I'm these being countries, very
2: sarcastic.
1: all these <laughs> countries. have No, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. All these countries mm-hmm. have historic governing classes, which are typically high IQ classes. And we're just strip mining these fucking people to like run our companies and shit. And well, if, if yeah, I mean, let's run. Home countries let's are so Daniel, fucked
2: up. Because we're only yeah leaving, but, like we're only uh, leaving the intelligent violent people. That's the only people we're leaving.
1: Yeah, well, I was about to suggest that Love's friend Daniel would make an amazing chief advisor for barbecue, but the uh, you know like think about it, right? You know, like he's just not. You know, you're not using your imagination here, Love. But 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 the the you know, would he be allowed? I, well, look, we could but, take a know. look at a different
0: perspective. We could take a look at the fuck off or full perspective, which may make sense as far as there being so many people in the United States already. But at the same time, as far as whether certain interventions the United States does in the future is, uh, you know, think of the children, I would throw in another thing, which is disease, which is since we are so interconnected today, as far as planes flying everywhere, it would be pretty good to maybe get a lot of people shit in order so that certain diseases don't just start sprouting and then no, spreading th- around is, the whole world. This is,
2: this is true, but th- this is where, like, um, the again, my cynicism is going to rear its ugly head. The, the reason why we responded to Ebola or whatever was just because we didn't want it to get on a plane from West Africa and fuck up the West. That's sure. the only reason why we gave a shit. Whereas if you're actually talking about like, should the West fucking, you know, I, this is going to be like very condescending, very white man's burden, but should the, should the West like, send our most talented people to Uganda or Rwanda, which apparently is doing very well, um, (laughs) after they, like, killed a few million people with fucking shovels a few decades ago. Um, So... um,
1: Right, yeah.
2: Which is very anti-individualist. But the... Uh, the point being, like, should we get down on our knees and, like, stare Africa in the face and, like, shake our finger at them and be like, now, this is how you build aqueducts and water infrastructure and education and republicanism and liberalism. No, and we go full kind of imperial stuff. mode. And we get it, in there and, and we it, run well, shit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then that's that would be the the other thing. But, but the truth is, as much as maybe I'm imperial because I want the republican liberal commercial hegemony to work. Curtis is anti-imperial because he doesn't think that it can work out, but if you're going to do it Then you should have the balls to do it and not be a lying hypocritical pussy about it But there but there's another aspect in here American There's American another government. very important thing yeah. in here,
0: which is we were talking we, all this time people about who in, want to do this yeah. don't
2: have the balls for what you're sure
0: no, no, I understand But there is another thing that we completely did not talk about yet Which we absolutely should and I think is even way more important right now Which is what's going on internally in the United States because a lot of these things that we're talking about wouldn't it be good? to go imperial mode on these countries where a lot of these people have been living under jackboot thugs for a very long time. The American people have not. The Western nations have not. Well, recently they have not. So my idea is, What exactly are we going to be doing with the internal relations that people have in the United States? I don't want there to be a dictator who all of a sudden arbitrarily decides to deny rights to certain people based on whatever the hell is on their mind at that point. That's what I want to try to avoid with there being some potential dictatorship situation here, and I would love to get that addressed in this uh, conversation here. Can well, I-, I find I find the phrase
1: yeah. "jackbooted thugs" very pejorative. I mean, the thing is, everybody needs footwear, and, and the- <laughs> you're
2: driving me fucking crazy. I'm reason- sorry, you no, had no, something productive reason- to say. No, at the Enterprise. Reason- no, the reason why you're driving me fucking crazy is because there's like. There's the conversation about like social utility and how do you dial in like authority versus like the individual and communitarian balance between the collective and the individual. And obviously we've gone too far on the individual side in America, but maybe there's a bunch of histories in the past or a bunch of countries in the past that have these like disgusting, horrific authoritarian nightmares that we want to avoid. If we even try to dial the switch back a little bit towards authority, like there's a real conversation here. But the problem, this is the problem, uh, not for me. I don't give a fuck. I love this conversation because we've been talking about ideas and not calling each other fucking dickheads for the past three hours, right? Yeah. That's an infinitely better fucking conversation than the shit that I talk about 90% of the time. But I'm just going to point it out that if this is a popular conversation metrically, they're going to say, oh, Curtis was making apologies for the Nazis, and he was talking about the Rwandan genocide, and you didn't call him out on the fact that people were killing each other with shovels, and you said there's always more of them. You you know, he's very dismissive of the individual, you know, value of human beings and all that kind of shit. And like, and here's the thing, I don't give a fuck about the pearl clutching morality. I do want to dial in the system that actually makes like human beings better in societies and, and cultures do well. So I don't want to live in California where basically police are so hamstrung and the societies are so big and the culture is so pussified that your fucking aspirin is behind a glass case that you have to go ask the cashier for because everything else that isn't bolted down is being stolen with impunity i don't want to well, live in that generics, fucking society the
1: generics, the generics you don't need to ask you don't need to ring the little button it's very well right which
2: which is like hardly that much of an improvement And then um, the fucking so so that's like one option, which is an anarchic third world hellscape. That's one option when you kind of go too far with just letting people do whatever the fuck they want to do. And then the other one is like Imperial Japan just deciding arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, as Curtis pointed out, um, but uh, basically feeling like they're pushed into a corner. So as the result of feeling like they're pushed into a corner, they're just going to go massacre their neighbors and take all their shit. There's very clearly. Human hells on both sides of this calculation. Yeah, yeah. and, and let what me, we're let
1: talking me, about is like how to agree, dial it wait, in. Wait, Let yeah. me agree with that. Like, really, like I gotta go in a minute. Um. So, oh wait, we uh, gotta
0: go to super chats before you go, though. I want to make oh, sure because right, people right. paid there. People paid their people money. Paid I want to make me, sure. Yeah okay, yeah.
1: okay. Okay. I have to go soon. So, so we'll do it fast. Let me like agree with you. You know, sort of ver- fairly vigorously because <clears throat> I think you're sensing sort of something very real and a kind of civilizational decline that we also saw in the decline of ancient greek civilization which is this kind of separation of like a harmonious society that contains sort of both of these Athen- both athenian and kind of spartan elements into like one hyper athenian basically like hyper gay society and then like another hyper spartan society where like you know just young men it's are gay but like- it's
2: masculine.
1: yeah it's true it's true there's a gayness in both of these things right you know and and the harmonious unity of them to me, is very heterosexual masculine. Gay and in the prefer. feminine gay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like Spartan, Sparta has this kind of Bronze Age pervert kind of gayness to it, you know. And not that Bap is gay. My God! Shout out to Men's you know, World Magazine. They, not that Bap is gay. Like that is a canard. But but the is not gay. But um, you know, and and then you have the sort of the Athenian side, which is like, you know, if we sort of place it in the kind of the bear spectrum, it's in the gay spectrum. It's like bear versus, bear versus twink. Right, you know we have Sparta, which is like super bare, super like woman phobic, you know, versus like the twinks of Athens, right, and both of these are sort very of missing something missing something that's like very essential in like the harmonious union of like male and female, even if it's just male and female role gays you know and and you need sort of both of these elements, and you know we don't really like. <sighs> I mean, a lot of great things about Imperial Japan. You know, we could admire its greatness without admiring, like, the, uh, the rape of Nanjing. You know, we could admire the greatness of, like, you know, um, Greenwich Village without, you know, admiring Valerie Salinas. You know, and the, who stabbed Andy Warhol. Uh, you know, but uh, the, the, uh, the Society for Cutting Up Men, Scum. Uh, you should you should read our manifesto. It's really. I was about book. to say and you it, you
2: have been a very interesting source of internet or not a, not internet but historical factoids. I have
1: learned a lot. Um, and and yeah, so so you know I, I I feel like sort of that is kind of you know what your that that kind of healthy combination is basically um, you know sort of what kind of contrapoints means counterpoints. And, it's fine. I'll <laughs> take it. Whatever. It's an amazing transition, really. Like it's. Yeah, like, I'll know, take gotta, it. You know, and and uh, so the, the, sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I, I you know I I sort of you know sense. Uh, it's like having kind of, a healthy
2: gut biome.
1: You know, like exactly. some some yes. people
2: is saying somebody is saying like oh you need protein in order to build muscle that's totally true but you don't want to eat protein all the time and then uh no vegetables and then develop gout but you also don't want to eat just vegetables all the time Mm -hmm. because then you'll become a quivering pussy so like you have to you know so so you have to balance these things and i i appreciate um you saying that and then uh just i know we have to get into uh super chats and kind of wrap yes. it up. but but if you would have told me uh two years ago that i would be talking to uh menchus medbuck about uh you know <laughs> mold the balance bug. between moldbug Athenian- bug mold bug, excuse me um, <laughs> you're, remind, the,
1: you're reminding you reminded me of vanta yeah Big the,
2: well you call me contrapoint so i think we're, we're uh, yeah, um, so so the uh but if you would have said hey you're going to be talking to this guy about fucking the 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 cultural centrist balance between like Spartan homo- masculine homosexuality and femboy twink fucking Athenian homosexuality i've been like you you are you lost your fucking mind that's never going to And happen. this is the magic but of break the happened. rules this is the magic, the magic ma- of break the rules it's we the bring everybody together. In a beautiful internet just space just, that we all inhabit
1: Thank just think about what twenty twenty five will hold for you. But, I'm uh, terrified. All right, let's with that. Let's. <laughs> all go, right, let's super go to chat this, time. Yeah.
0: Here we go. Oh, okay. Here we are. Tombs and temples. Five dollars. Happy to have caught this. At the risk of sounding infantile, I'll ask: Is thought energy? Oh no, this is twenty two days ago. Never mind. Let me scroll up here <laughs> for five dollars. We're gonna go with a no on that one. Okay, <laughs> one hour uh, ago. Uh, here we go. This is the new one. I'm already <laughs> – you can see how how different all the streams are. Like we talk about mysticism, we talk about psychology, <laughs> philosophy, we talk about all kinds of stuff. But anyway – not Thank you. Okay. I'm already 5,000 yen. Uh, hi, Curtis. Thanks for coming out. You've mentioned an economist mostly unknown in the West but very influential in Asia. Not a Marxist Richard. but – but not an Adam Smith GDP appreciator either. Can't find the podcast. Was Friedrich List or someone else? Well, you said it. Friedrich List. All right. Uh, Game Geek 2, $5. Thoughts on the Meiji strategy? Yes. Yeah, speaking of Japanese yen, uh, come to power on expel the barbarians, but actually westernize while restoring the emperor. Could we use such a plan?
1: It was a unique time, and the barbarians were actually pretty civilized. Uh, so, I mean, expel the barbarians is always like, who would not want to expel barbarians, what? So, you know, there's definitely, you know, there's always a constituency for expelled barbarians. I think that's worth five bucks.
0: Excellent. Uh, Maida Ronan, who, by the way, is a $20 patron. Very important. Become a patron today. Patreon.com slash BreakTheRules. And you are going to get an incredibly beautiful beautiful magnet here. You see it on the screen. My father created these magnets out of wood. And if you become a $50 patron, you are going to get a custom design magnet as well. Also, $5 patronage. gives you MP3s of the episodes after they come out and uh, special uh, Discord privileges. And I'll show you the Discord as well. But anyway, uh, Maida Ronan asks, Curtis. What pathways do you see for technology to make centralized government obsolete, not via revolution, but by forcing it into obsolescence?
1: Well, I mean, you can't really deny that the blockchain is a real thing. And I'd be a little happier if it had a little more like zero knowledge sauce on it. But the blockchain is definitely a real thing. And it's definitely, you know, at the same time, you know, the blockchain doesn't make like handcuffs work i mean you know like you know you can do a lot of things with blockchains but when you get down to real governance it's very often just a matter of good old chains
0: good old chains all right and now before the next super chat here i'm posting the discord link in the chat guys if you are on discord i know if you follow uh, curtis you are on discord join the btr discord anyway uh we have over here uh who's this guy not noir $3. If mold, if mold bug don't win, we rioting. Yeah, I should probably make a poll of who you thought won. And over here, Alex Johnson, $10. Curtis, best history on Rome or any other random reading recommendations?
1: Um, you should try um, Froude's James Anthony Frood pronounced the way Bill and Ted uh, pronounced Freud, but spelled F-R-O-U-D-E. Try his uh, sketch of Caesar. Awesome short Caesar biography like, you know, you'll be hooked or you'll be bored.
0: All right. And the uh, next one we have Sage, five uh, euros, best Stage. book, Sage, uh, best book about the progressives taking over both parties during the 20th century U.S.
1: Um yeah that's a good good question um i hope you're 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 have an interesting gender sage um the it's a good like it's such a berkeley trans name i love it you know um there's also like little I, emojis
0: around the word sage by the way like little brackets like fancy looking bracket things awesome be a trans awesome,
1: guy awesome yeah yeah <laughs> we we, we uh, here in the bay area we do a lot of gender things um i was reading recently i don't know what the best but i was reading a book by um, amos pincho pi n c h o t called a uh, history of the progressive party which sort of covers like their early days from like bull moose to like new masses and uh yeah they they basically they just openly regard the the politicians of both parties with just utter scorn uh, and yeah that's which is and feels be- very modern excellent and these
0: are oh and finally we have two pounds from mo who says great convo curtis uh, go on destiny stream destiny go on btr already what the hell what's going on Mm, you know
1: well i i was actually scheduled to debate this destiny motherfucker which is a great name because it always makes me it reminds me that i have this friend who tells this amazing story which is also about destiny except it must be a different destiny because she's like a black stripper but the, (laughs) um you know so whenever i think of like destiny the youtuber i was like that he was supposed to debate me at this conference in austin it was kind of a shit show and he or or she they is it is destiny a they or a he Uh, he, um they didn't come he
2: was non-binary for about three seconds <laughs> okay
1: okay okay well you know sometimes i just say they just to be sure because you know they can become offensive offended with these kinds of things uh, they were supposed to mm-hmm. debate me in austin but didn't show and i'm not i'm not sure why but uh, you know uh yes i'd love to i'd love to sp- destiny destiny i love you whoever you are <laughs> out there you know let's talk let's make up Let's, you know, let's do it all over again.
0: Excellent. All right. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, Counterpoints, where could the good people find you?
2: Uh, just type in Counterpoints into uh, YouTube, and basically you'll find me. I'm also on Twitter, underscore Counterpoints, underscore. And uh, basically the main thing I do, because it makes money, and I'm, uh, I have to abide by the global commercial empire, is I make Warhammer 40K lore videos. Um, but then my passion... Is uh, basically doing these debates and conversations and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you can also type in Counterpoints Coliseum. That's where the debate channel or nice. the debates and VODs are posted. And then I'm launching an essay channel soon. Um, but basically, I actually want to get some content out there before I promote it. So yeah, uh, just typing Counterpoints, you'll probably be able to find it.
0: Curtis, are you a Warhammer 40k fan?
1: I am not. I am not. But you know, every time I hear about the Space Marines, you know, I I, I bust a bunner. So you know the um, <laughs> yeah, you, you can find me. <laughs> you can find me at uh, gray mirror that's gray with an a the american way gray mirror.substack.com
0: highly so highly for, recommend the know. Substack and Check curtis me, yeah. counterpoints thank you guys so much and don't forget to smash that subscribe button and smash the bell and of course smash the like button the like button is extremely important for the algorithm mm-hmm. subscribe to break the rules it brings everybody together as you've seen today and it's going to continue We're going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. Thanks to your support, Patreon.